Amen. Well, we serve a holy God, don't we? A good God and a faithful God who is worthy of all of our praise. He is the only God, right? Who is worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship here this morning. Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. Get that open to Luke chapter 18. And while you're doing that, I just wanna acknowledge two um, events that happened this past weekend. The first was uh, the women's retreat. I know some of you ladies were there. (laughs) Um, Man, what an awesome opportunity for you guys to be able to get away and connect with God and connect with other ladies. And man, I'm excited to hear what God did through that retreat. And we're so thankful for our leaders in that ministry, Megan and Lisa and their leadership team uh, put that together. They couldn't have done it without them. And so we're thankful for that. The second thing is that uh, for those of you who made it to the recenter gala last night, we just wanna say thank you. That was an amazing night. It was an amazing event. We're thankful for your support. Pam and Danielle and Hannah over at the recenter did an awesome job putting that together and drawing in the community. And so we're thankful for your support. If you didn't get a chance to go to that, uh, or if you have not had a chance to check out the Recenter, we'd encourage you to do that, check that out, and see what's going on over there. See if you have, uh, can find a place to serve there. Again, just an amazing weekend. So thankful for our leaders, so thankful to serve alongside all of you as we make it easier for people to know Jesus and lead people into growing relationship with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 begins and ends with Jesus teaching about faith. You could say that Luke chapter 18 is one of the great faith chapters in our Bibles because it challenges our faith, it encourages our faith, and it shapes our faith. Jesus talks about the danger of self-righteous faith. He talks about the importance of childlike faith. He teaches about the difficulty of the rich to trust God in faith. The chapter begins with Jesus teaching this this story, this parable of a persistent widow. I don't know if you remember, if you were here uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Ernie was preaching on this way back in, in verses one through eight. Jesus, if you remember, In the beginning of the chapter, Jesus tells the crowd a story about a a widow's persistent begging for justice from an unrighteous judge. And she begs and she begs and she begs and she asks and she asks and she asks until the unrighteous judge is like, fine. Like I'll give you whatever you want if you just get out of my sight. And Jesus' point is that if the unrighteous judge will grant a persistent request based off of unrighteous motives, how much more will God, the righteous judge, answer the prayers and the requests of his people? And he will not delay. He will ask quickly or he will act quickly. And yet that being true in verse eight, that being true that God 
is good and he's faithful and he's righteous and he's holy and he loves to answer the prayers of his people and he will not delay. He acts quickly knowing that all of that is true. Jesus still asks the question, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Chapter ends with our passage here this morning with a blind man's faith. It ends with a persistent blind beggar who shows great faith in his pursuit of Jesus. And so what I wanna do this morning is I wanna unpack this blind man's faith, what I'm calling a blind faith. And listen, faith is exactly that, isn't it? It's blind Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, not the assurance of things that have already received. It's just the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, what? Not seen. Faith is blind. And so what I wanna do this morning is I wanna form us and I wanna shape us into men and women of faith so that when Jesus returns, he will look at this church on this mountain and he will say, there is great faith. And so I want us to know that blind faith is a confident faith, it's a persistent faith, it is a bold faith and it is a devoted faith. I want you to walk away confident, persistent, bold, and devoted as you pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. And so with that, here's our main point for the, for the day. I'm just gonna give it to you straight up. Blind faith is a confident, persistent, bold, and devoted pursuit of Jesus Christ. Blind faith is a confident, persistent, bold, and devoted pursuit of Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and dive into our scripture here this morning. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 35. And as Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to gather into this place to worship you, God, to hear from your word. And I just pray, Lord, that that your word would fall upon all of our hearts. 
God, make your presence known. Speak to us this morning for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the first thing that we need to learn from this guy, this blind man, is that blind faith is confident. Blind faith is confident. When the crowd told this guy that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, it inspired confidence in him. So much so that he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, this man was confident in who Jesus was and in what Jesus could do. Now, what's incredible about this statement from this blind man is that he knew exactly who he believed Jesus to be. There was no doubt in his mind who he believed Jesus to be. He believed that this Jesus of Nazareth was the son of David. That's a big statement right there. What he's saying is, I believe that this Jesus that is passing by right now is the Messiah, is the Christ. He is saying, Jesus, Messiah, have mercy on me. If Jesus was the Messiah, that meant that Jesus was God, the only God who is good and faithful and merciful. What we can learn from this man is that blind faith is confident in who Jesus is. Blind faith is confident in who Jesus is. If we're gonna be men and women of great faith, we have to know exactly who we believe Jesus to be. Our our faith has to be built on the character of our God. A.W. Tozer, pastor and theologian, once said that what what, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And I would agree with Tozer's assertion here. In order for us to be confident in our faith, we have to know exactly who we believe God to be. Our faith must rest on the character of our God. What you believe about God's character will influence the filter with which you view all of life. Listen, theology matters. Theology matters. If you have not considered your theology, what you believe to be true about God, you leave yourself open to be influenced by anything and anyone. Theology matters. Worse than being influenced by anything or anyone, even way worse than that. You leave yourself open to do and believe whatever feels right in your heart. To be led by your emotions. Listen to me, look at me. That is a dangerous, destructive, and devastating place to be. You do not wanna be led by your heart and your emotions. You do not wanna be led by your heart and your your emotions. Jeremiah 17, nine, God says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Our faith should rest solely on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, not on the sinking sand of our feelings and our emotions. 
What you believe about God's character will influence the filter with which you view all of life, your situations, your circumstances, your relationships, your work life, your social life, your church involvement, the quality and the quantity of your prayer life and your time in the word. All of it is dependent on what you believe to be true about God. And listen, I'm gonna hammer this point here this morning because without confidence in the character of God, without confidence in who you believe Jesus to be, faith falls flat and the rest of this sermon does not matter. Faith in the character of God is critically important. So let's just take one characteristic of God, right? One of his attributes. I'd love to be able to unpack all of that. Maybe we'll do that at some point, but let's just take one. All right, let me ask you this. Do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God is good? And I know when I, when I ask you that question, all of us are like, well, yeah, of course, Justin, of course God's good. Yeah, of course I believe. We're in church, Justin, come on. Of course we believe that God is good. But what I'm asking you is not, does God possess good qualities? I'm asking you, do you believe that God is good? That he is the source of goodness, that he is the author of goodness, that he is the definition of goodness, that he embodies good. Do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that anything considered good flows from him and that there is no good that exists outside of him? Do you believe that God alone defines goodness and that he supplies goodness? This is an important distinction to make. It's a critical distinction to make because if goodness exists outside of God and God is not like the embodiment of good, then, then, then God is a being outside of good. He can possess good qualities, but at some point God can cease to possess the good qualities and he can come over here and he can, he can possess bad qualities and God becomes not good. But if God is good, then that means that God cannot be or do evil because evil is the opposite of good and therefore the opposite of God. This is exactly the point that Jesus is trying to make earlier on in this chapter when he asked the rich ruler, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God. Are you confident in God's good character? When, when bad things in your life happen, do you still believe that God is good? In the midst of the circumstances that you're facing right now, do you believe that he is good? Do you have the assurance of what you know to be true about your God? 
when the waves of life crash down over and over and over and you cannot lift your eyes above the water to focus on the horizon, do you still have assurance that your God is good? Blind faith is confident in who Jesus is. Blind faith is also confident in what Jesus can and will do, right? You you might really be in that situation right now where the waves really are crashing down over and over and over on you. You might be in a situation where you're looking at this thing and you're thinking, man, I, I don't know how this thing's gonna turn out. I don't know how this thing's going to end, but blind faith is confident in what Jesus can and will do. Blind faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So blind faith looks at your circumstance and says, listen, this might not turn out the way that I want this thing to turn out. This thing, this, this might not end the way that I envisioned it. The details might not all fall in my uh, favor, but I am confident that God will use this for my ultimate good and his glory. And when I let out my final breath, I will walk into eternity and my blind faith will become visible reality. Amen. Blind faith is confident. Point number two, because blind faith is confident, that also means that blind faith is a persistent faith. Blind faith is persistent. Look back at verse 39. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out, all the more. This tells me that blind faith is persistent even in the midst of opposition. Blind faith is persistent even in the midst of opposition. It will not be stopped. It will not be snuffed out. When faced with opposition, blind faith becomes more persistent. It becomes more focused, more determined, more resolute, more tenacious, more diligent. As far as it depended on this blind guy, nobody was gonna shut him down. He was like, man, you're gonna have to knock me out or duct tape me or throw me in the river because nothing is gonna stop me getting to him. Blind faith is persistent in the midst of opposition. It can be easy sometimes to get beat down in our faith, can it? Right, we'd be lying to ourselves if, if we said, man, well, I don't get beat down sometimes. I don't ever get discouraged. It could be discouraging when we consider all of the opposition that we face as Christians. Right? We just... Just the enemy that we face, right? Revelation 12 and 13 tells us that we have an enemy who is hell bent, literally hell bent on our destruction. Revelation 13 says he raises up two violent beasts, the governments of the world and the religious institutions of the world to clamp their nasty little jaws down on our necks. We saw these two beasts clamp their filthy jaws down on Jesus at the cross, didn't he? Rome, 
and the religious elite of the day put Jesus on that cross. On top of all of that, the enemy's trying to lie to us at every turn, twisting and manipulating the work and the word of God in our lives to sow seeds of doubt and discouragement. He can use the lack of a quick answer from God to sow a seed of doubt that undermines your faith. We start to believe the lies of the enemy, but it's not just the enemy, right? It's also the people around us. Those in your immediate circle, your coworkers, social media, news media, friends, even family can become opposition when the narrative is constantly undermining your faith in God. Our own hearts, what we tell ourselves in the quiet moments of hard trials and suffering can quickly become our opposition. Can quickly become our opposition. Sometimes it's the enemy within that poses the greatest threat to our faith. But blind faith becomes persistent in the midst of opposition when we choose to allow the truth of God's character to become the highest filter for how we view all of life. The character of God has to be the highest authority in our hearts. When that's true, blind faith becomes persistent even in the midst of opposition. Well, blind faith is also persistent in its pursuit of Jesus Christ. It's persistent in its pursuit of Jesus. This blind man, he, dis- he disregarded all of the crowds around him. He was firmly focused on Jesus. He didn't even acknowledge the crowds. Right? He's just like, forget you guys. I have one focus, Jesus. This is what allowed him to be persistent in his pursuit Blind faith is only persistent faith when it keeps the focus on Jesus. Take your eyes off Jesus and this world will punish your faith. During that massive storm where where the disciples are in the boat and the winds and the wave are crashing over the boat and, and, and Peter's like, man, we're gonna die. And he looks out over the wind and the waves and he sees Jesus walking on the water. And what does he do? He puts his eyes on Jesus. He jumps out of the boat. Brother is walking on the water. That's insane. It's only when he took his eyes off of Jesus and put them on his circumstances, the wind and the waves that he began to sink. Persistent faith has no greater pursuit than Jesus Christ. Those with blind faith will not be discouraged from running after Jesus, not by the crowds, not by circumstances, not by crushing waves, and certainly not by the enemy. Blind faith is persistent faith simply because it is the assurance of things hoped for. Blind faith persists because it knows that what it hopes will come to pass. It persists because it is rooted in the character of God. And so blind faith is not easily discouraged. It's not easily triumphed over. It's not easily extinguished. It's 
not easily cut down, beat down, or drowned out. It is lasting, it is pervasive, it is determined, it is tireless, it is constant, and it is steady. Blind faith is a persistent faith. So when we're faced with unrelenting attacks from the opposition, when we're faced with tough circumstances and with crippling doubt, blind faith looks to Jesus and it becomes persistent. Point number three, blind faith is bold. Blind faith is bold, verse 40. And Jesus stopped and commanded this blind man to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the man said, Lord, let me recover my sight. I love the boldness of this guy. Right, like even... From the very beginning, he is loud, he is persistent, he's screaming and crying out, he's making a scene, right? You ever been in a restaurant with your buddies and, 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 and you got that one dude that's like, oh, this is what I ordered, and you're like, oh, please, don't make a scene. Just eat it, just eat it, bro, don't, we don't need that. But this dude's making a scene. And then he finally gets an audience with the king of kings. Can you imagine standing before God Almighty. And he's like, what can I do for you? That's a big question. This guy boldly just asks for the impossible. Let me recover my sight. To approach Jesus boldly is to approach him without human constraint. It's to approach him knowing that he is God and, there, and that there is nothing that he cannot do. Hebrews 4.16 says, says, let us therefore come, what? Boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. To approach God boldly is to recognize the position before him. It's to approach him knowing that you have been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. I think oftentimes we approach God like a whipped dog. We whimper and we cower before him as if he sits on a throne of condemnation and not a throne of grace. We can approach God boldly. We can approach God knowing that we have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the creator of all things. You have an audience with him. Now don't get me wrong here. We need to approach God with reverence and respect, absolutely. Bold faith is not an arrogant faith. It is not self-righteous or entitled. No, boldness stems from the confidence we have knowing that Jesus purchased our access to God on that cross. And now we stand uncondemned. We stand clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. The gospel is what gives our faith boldness. 
So blind faith is assured of its position before God and approaches him boldly. Blind faith is also bold in request. It's bold in request. Jesus asked the man, what can I do for you? And the blind man didn't disappoint, did he? Let, let me just see again. He asked for something that could not be done by the hands of men. That is a bold request. Faith that is bold does not hold back. It doesn't hold back in what it asks for. To boldly ask in faith is to, faith is to ask it beyond the limits of human understanding, logic, or experience. To boldly request from God is to transcend the human experience and stand before the throne of grace making requests that only he can do. A bold faith asks often. It is confidence, persistent. It will ask repeatedly. The blind man cried out repeatedly. Son of David, have mercy on me. That's a bold faith. So blind faith is confident, it is persistent, it is bold. And finally, blind faith is devoted. Blind faith is devoted. Verse 42, and Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. I love this. Blind faith is, is devoted. What, what would you do if you were blind and God gave you your sight back? I can think of a lot of things that I would have liked to do, right? I'm sure there were several things this man could have done upon receiving his sight, but he chose instead to follow Jesus. See, blind faith does not end when the thing hoped for is received. Blind faith does not end when the thing hoped for is received. Blind faith does not end when the unseen becomes seen. If it did, then it probably wasn't blind faith at all. No, this man's faith was devoted to Jesus. His faith was devoted to Jesus way before the crowd ever passed by. He was devoted to Jesus way before then. He was devoted to Jesus while he was blind. He was devoted to Jesus while he was sitting on the side of the road begging. And his faith in Jesus remained even after his sight was recovered because his blind faith was devoted. So it's devoted to actively following Jesus. Blind faith is devoted to actively following Jesus. Blind faith is a saving faith. Blind faith is a saving faith. It's a faith that opens up our eyes to who Jesus is. It's a faith that draws us closer to Jesus and instills in us a deep devotion for him that causes us to pursue him with our whole hearts and our whole lives. Jesus tells the man, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. That might be better translated. Your faith has saved you. 
blind faith is saving faith. Salvation is not the salvation from the blindness per se, but it's the salvation by grace through faith. This man was devoted to Jesus and his faith saved his soul. We know this is true because after the man recovered his sight, he followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. What about you? Do you have a blind faith that is devoted to Jesus? See, every single one of us in this room is devoted to something. What about you? Can it be said about you, that your life, that you are devoted to following Jesus, that you are devoted to seeking his presence? Are you devoted to prayer? Are you devoted to time in the word? Are you devoted to God's people? Are you devoted to building God's kingdom? Are you devoted? Do you truly follow Jesus? Blind faith is devoted to following Jesus. It's also devoted to glorifying God. Not only did the blind man follow Jesus, he also praised him and gave him all of the glory. And the crowd also, it says, when they saw the miraculous healing, gave glory to God. Blind faith is devoted to giving God all of the glory. All of the glory. There is my favorite phrase of all time is soli deo gloria. It means God alone, belong, to him alone belongs all the glory. And when we live lives that are devoted to following Jesus and glorifying God, our lives will be a testament to the people around us. They will see the work of God in us, in our lives, in our hearts, and they will have no choice but to give God the glory. Blind faith is confident, it's persistent, it's bold, and it's devoted in its pursuit of Jesus Christ. As I wrap up this sermon, I wanna ask you this. If you were to physically stand before God and he was to ask you, what can I do for you? What would be your response? What is it that you would ask God to do for you that nobody else can do? This is an important question for us to consider. This is our take home. It's a question that requires faith. It's a question that requires confidence and persistence and boldness and devotion to Jesus. I've had the opportunity to consider this question over the past few weeks. And I'm just gonna be vulnerable with you guys this morning. I've had the opportunity to consider this question. If I was to stand before God and he said, what could I do for you? 
What would I say? He brought me to Psalm 63. Psalm 63 begins, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh longs for you as in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And I stopped there because I know that that's not true of me. And I told God, I'm not gonna leave this Psalm until you make this true of my life. I wanna thirst for you and I wanna long for you as if I'm wandering a desert without water. There's one thing I could ask of God that he just make me that man. A longing and a desire for his presence. I'm not gonna lie, this world has a lot of shiny things that draw my attention away, that seek my devotion, that tempt me to put my faith and my hope in something other than him. I'm praying for a blind faith that is confident and bold and persistent and devoted to him. What about you? I want you to consider this one question this week. What would you ask of God? As I close, let us not forget that ultimately blind faith is born of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he lived and because he died and because he rose from that grave, because he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I can face tomorrow. You can face tomorrow. And we can face whatever this brutal world throws at us because our faith is confident, persistent, bold, and devoted in its pursuit of Jesus Christ. Our blind faith is the assurance of our eternal home and is the evidence of our righteousness in Christ. Amen? Amen for us. Father in heaven, we're so thankful. So thankful for your word. God, we're thankful, Lord, for the faith that you grant to us. You're so good. You're so worthy. To you alone belongs all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name.